We're up to uh, the book of 2 Kings. And uh, this is actually just the second half of the King's Scroll, which was split in the middle for convenience. <laughs> so join me in 2 Kings chapter 1. Murab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. Ahaziah fell down through the lattice in his upper room that was in Samaria and was sick. So he sent messengers and said to them, Go, inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I will recover of this sickness. But Yahweh's angel said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and tell them, Is it because there is no god in Israel that you go to inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore Yahweh says, You will not come down from the bed where you have gone up, but you will surely die. Then Elijah departed. The messengers returned to him, and he said to them, Why is it that you have returned? They said to him, A man came up to meet us and said to us, Go return to the king who sent you and tell him. Yahweh says, Is it because there is no God in Israel that you send to inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore you will not come down from the bed where you have gone up, but you will surely die. He said to them, What kind of man was he who came up to meet you and told you these words? They answered him, He was a hairy man and wearing a leather belt around his waist. He said, It's Elijah, the Tishbite. <laughs> then the king sent a captain of fifty with his fifty to him. He went up to him, and behold, he was sitting on top of the hill. He said to him, Man of God, the king has said, Come down. Elijah answered the captain of fifty, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from the sky and consume you and your fifty. Then fire came down from the sky and consumed him and his fifty. Again he sent to him another captain of fifty with his fifty. He answered him, Man of God, the king has said, Come down quickly. Elijah answered them, If I am a man of God, then let fire come down from the sky and consume you and your fifty. Then God's fire came down from the sky and consumed him and his fifty. Again, he sent the captain of a third fifty with his fifty. The third captain of fifty went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and begged him and said to him, Man of God, please let my life and the life of these fifty of your servants be precious in your sight. Behold, fire came down from the sky and consumed the last two captains of fifty with their fifties. But now let my life be precious in your sight. Yahweh's angel said to Elijah, Go down with him. Don't be afraid of him. Then he arose and went down with him to the king. He said to him, Yahweh says, Because you have sent messengers to inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, is it because there is no god in Israel to inquire to his word? Therefore you will not come down from the bed where you have gone up, but you will surely die. So he died, according to Yahweh's word, which Elijah had spoken. Jehoram began to reign in his place in the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, because he had no son. Now the rest of the acts of Ahaziah, which he did, aren't they written in the book of the Chronicles of the king of Israel? So Ahaziah is the king of Ahab. He falls through the lattice. So I guess it's an up, upper story part of his house. And he's leaning on the lattice and out he goes and hurts himself and then he gets sick. And he wants to know, is he going to recover? But instead of asking the Lord for his opinion, he sends, weirdly, to Ekron, the god Baalzebub. 
Ekron is one of the Philistine cities. I, I find this really odd because um, the Philistines were all along the coast and typically further south. They were down around where Judah was. So he's actually got to send a messenger quite a distance to find this out when he knows Elijah is there. Now I have a feeling that he purposely did not want to ask Elijah. So it's, it's a bit of an, a deliberate insult. It's a feeling, I, I can't prove that. But in any case, the Lord knows. <laughs> Why did you go to inquire of this other God when, there's, when I'm the Lord and I'm right here in your land of Israel? And so, um, you know, the king basically uh, wants to arrest Elijah and he sends this captain of 50 to get Elijah and bring him in. And when we read it in English, it just says, man of God, come down. That was the English statement. And um, Elijah says, if I'm a man of God, then may fire consume you and your 50 men. In Hebrew, apparently, because I'm not a Hebrew expert, I know very, very, very little about Hebrew, uh, but commentaries say that there's a sarcastic edge in this, um, that the captain basically was demanding, he wasn't totally convinced he was a real man of God, and so Elijah basically says, well, if I'm a man of God, kapow. And so the fire comes down from heaven, destroys the 50, happens twice, the third guy clearly isn't sarcastic, <laughs> says, man of God, be kind to me. And so then it says, the angel of the Lord said to Yahweh, uh, the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down. So Elijah would have been wondering whether to go or not. But the angel of the Lord is very, very often Jesus. So not an angel of the Lord, because there are lots of angels, that's just an angel. But the angel of the Lord, very often it's Jesus. So quite possibly here we've got Jesus and Elijah together. In the one chapter, we know we've got Jesus and Elijah together in the New Testament, in the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew's Gospel, but here we've got Jesus and Elijah together as well. There's not very many people in the Bible who are together in the Old and in the New Testament, so this is kind of cool. So um, the angel of the Lord says to Elijah, go down, and he goes down. He gives the word of God directly to Ahaziah, you will die, and Ahaziah does pass away soon after. He was only king for two years, he has no children, and so it says at the end that because he had no son, the kingdom went to Jehoram, which was, I'm pretty sure, his brother. So Ahab has obviously more than one son, so now Ahab's other son, Jehoram, now becomes the king. We'll talk about him in the chapter ahead. Now in the New Testament, there's a moment where there's two of Jesus' disciples, this is James and John, they want to call down fire on a village in Samaria. <laughs> So Jesus and the disciples are, you know, going somewhere and something happens, you know, they don't get, something happens that's not quite right. And John and James, are, Lord, call down fire upon this village. So we've got this story in the Old Testament where a prophet does call down fire on a hundred people, two lots of 50. And God seems to be fine with that. In the New Testament, two of the disciples want to call down fire and they're telling Jesus to do it. And Jesus is saying, you guys, you don't know what spirit you're of. And he gives them a nickname, the Sons of Thunder, which stuck. They've been called the Sons of Thunder for the last 2,000 years by all Christians everywhere. It's a, it's a permanent nickname. And um, why was Jesus so annoyed in the New Testament when they wanted to call down fire on these people? Now, this was a village in Samaria, and here in the Old Testament, this was people in the, in the area of 
Samaria. So it's the exact same part of the world, two places in Samaria. One place, the fire comes down and consumes them. And the other place, the Lord does, the Lord spares them and says, you know not what spirit you're of. What's the difference? <laughs> well, I was thinking about it. I was trying to, and interestingly, I none of the commentators I've read, which was only in this case, only three, none of them had any, didn't even see this comparison and none of them had anything to say about it. So it may be that there are other people who've got a revelation of this. But the, what I thought was, was in the Old Testament, the people were deliberately worshiping false gods. The king of Israel deliberately did not want to consult the Lord. He knew that Elijah was there. He knew he's a prophet of the Lord. He did not want to consult him. He deliberately consults other, other gods who are not even real. And um, so there's an awareness of God, but a deliberate choice to not want to have anything to do with him. The captains of the 50 come, if you are a man of God, there's sarcasm, they doubt, they challenge, they command. It's all very arrogant, very proud. In the New Testament, the people of Samaria, they were the ones that responded to the gospel. You think about Jesus's ministry in the town of Sychar, where over a period of three days, he led the entire town to the Lord. Just read about that in John chapter four. The people of Samaria were in the New Testament. They're living in the same part of the world. Here are people who don't know who God is. They don't know that Jesus is the Messiah. They, they're not antagonistic or rude or proud. You just If you read that John chapter four with the story of the woman at the well, she's not, she's not uh, antagonistic or rude or intolerant or commanding or any of these things. So John and James are just wanting to call down fire because, because of, there's a bit of disagreement going on because people are a bit disagreeable, but it comes from the not understanding. Whereas here in uh, 2 Kings 1, they understand, <laughs> but they're being deliberately antagonistic and disagreeable. So there are differences there like that. Um, but also, you know, the Lord Jesus is, is, it's a New Testament thing, and he's teaching us to be merciful. In the Old Testament, the Lord was trying to demonstrate that he is God. You know, instead of them going off to inquire of these other gods, the Lord's trying to show, now I am the Lord, your God. I am the one with power. So there's all, there's different lessons being learned at different times. And um, there are people today, I, I just can't believe that this happens, but there are people today who pray for the destruction of other Christians. Or they pray for the destruction of their enemies. You know, they might like look at, say, someone who's, who's a politician they don't like, and they might say, Lord, just kill him, or Lord, remove him. And they pray like this without ever stopping to ask, what does the Lord want? My take on it would be that, and, and see, this is what the John, James and John did. They were saying, Lord, call down fire. They never stopped to say, Lord, what do you want? They just assumed. And... If you're going to assume, assume on the side of mercy and grace. If you're going to pray for a politician and just assume what the Lord's going to want, assume that he wants them to be saved <laughs> and assume that he wants them to change and become righteous. So pray like that. Say, Lord, I pray for, you know, Anastasia Palaget, you know, the Premier of Queensland. You say, Lord, I ask that she would come to know Christ. So pray good things. Pray prayers that will help them and support them and bless them and lift them up. Pray that they'll have wisdom. Don't just pray to take them out. Now, the Lord sometimes needs to take people out. The Lord can do that. <laughs> He's quite capable of doing it when he needs to. But that's not really given to us to just decide and to do. Those would be soulish prayers. 
And so I suggest we avoid them. <laughs> so yeah, there are still sons of thunder in the world today. Sometimes it's us. So we ask the Lord to clean all of that out of our heart and then we would live with mercy and grace towards all those around us, especially our leaders. So Heavenly Father, help us. Help us not to be sons of thunder. Help, to be, help us to be ministers of grace, ministers of reconciliation, people who walk with Christ, people who know the mind of the Lord. Father, impart these things to us in the name of Jesus. Amen.